blessing. Amen. Uh, if you've been blessed this week, say amen. We're glad to see you. Everybody grab your handbook. Let's stand together. Brother Ken's going to come lead us now as we open up this Sunday morning service together. Brother Ken. Amen. Grab your writ song book if you need it. Hymn number 346. I know my name is there. We'll do the first, second, and last verse this morning. Hymn number 346. singing this morning. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Let me give you three or four quick requests this morning just before Brother Upchurch takes us to the throne of grace. Uh, please pray for Sister Patsy Gunner. Uh, Brother Eddie was sharing with me that she's been bitten by something and uh, her arm is swollen up in a lot of pain. Please pray for her. Pray for Miss Irma Wagner. She's got a uh, kidney stone she's dealing with, so please pray for Miss Irma. I put out a couple of days ago on Thursday, I think it was, about Brother Larry Biggs. Uh, very quickly, uh, we were at the ER with him when I put this out, but uh, Brother Larry was up in a tree working and fell out of the tree and landed on a pile of bricks uh, and tore himself up pretty badly. Uh, thankfully, his back was not broken nor anything else, but he's pretty beat up, so please pray for him. His sense of humor didn't change uh, because as I'm standing in there getting ready to pray, um, he looked up at me and said, Preacher, before you pray, ask the Lord if whether or not I have to give up my career as a male model. Amen. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, uh, Brother Biggs, I think that's probably a goner. He said, well, maybe I can be a hand model. And he just went like this. <laughs> 
Pray for Brother Larry, if you would. I know he'd appreciate it. We got several in our church out sick today, including my son and a few others. Remember them. But above all of that, let's ask the Lord to meet with us today. Amen? If he's here, everything will be just right. Brother Upchurch, take us to the throne of grace, if you would, please. Father, we are thankful for your heavenly presence. We can come before a holy and righteous God, knowing that you care about everything that touches our lives. Lord, we come to you on behalf of these that are not with us today for various reasons. We pray for many, many situations that are touching lives, Lord, right now. You know those, Lord, these families that are sitting in hospital rooms right now waiting, Lord, uh, for their precious loved one to cross Jordan. And, Lord, we just we just lift the families to you. We, we pray for them, Lord, and that you'd comfort and bless them. Give them the strength they need in these hours of, uh, of grief. And now, Lord, we ask you to bless us here today. Be glorified through everything that is said and done. May your name be lifted up. And, Lord, may you receive glory and praise for it all. And, Lord, we pray that all of us will be drawn closer to you. And, Lord, if there's one that's in our midst today that does not know the free pardon and forgiveness of sin, Lord, we pray that today would be the day, Lord, that they would come down and accept you as personal Savior. Thank you for what you're going to do, and we're going to praise you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, you listen to this song. Love, love, love it. Past is a promise. You listen to Brother Scott this morning.
We'll do one more for you this morning. And I love, love, love this song. Miss Lisa does such a good job. Did I mention? Do you love them this morning? Amen. Let's praise the Lord together singing, Miss Lisa.
done, choir. Thank you so much. Uh, what a good number this morning. Thank you for being here. Let me uh, go over some quick announcements with you. First of all, this coming Friday is our Senior Saints trip to Mount Airy. We'll be leaving from here at the church at 10, and our estimated time of arrival back is around 5 o'clock. Lunch is at 11.30. All that information is in there. Please sign up today if you have not already done so. Uh, we've got the information, or the date, rather, for the young adult trip. More details to follow. Uh, and then all of those ladies who are meeting, or rather who are going onto our Women's Mountain Retreat, uh, need to meet right over here right after church. Miss uh, uh, Upchurch is going to go over some details with you, so please come see right over on, on my right, your left. Uh, if you're thinking about going with us to teen conference next year, uh, whether you are a, a young adult or a teen, please sign up. Uh, next Sunday is the deadline, and again, you're not committing to payment or anything, but we want to take advantage of early bird rates, so please help us out with that. And then please be praying for the, our end of summer jubilee. I'm excited by that. I'm looking forward to Brother Heath being with us Sunday morning, the joyful sounds, uh, and then also Brother C.T. Townsend, uh, and uh, of course, the collar rolling and deliverance. Uh, line up like that. We'll have a shout and hallelujah time. So you invite friends, family, loved ones. I say all the time, we don't come to church to be bored. We can be bored at the house. So you please keep that in mind, if you would, as we prepare for our jubilee. And then teachers, I hope you've already marked your date for Saturday, August the 31st. Uh, we want to uh, love on you just a little bit, let you know how much we appreciate you. Uh, Sunday school teachers, Awana teachers, junior church teachers, children's church teachers, and your spouses, you're all invited. Now, don't get excited. My wife at one point said, well, do you want to do steak? I said, are you out of your mind? We might do a hot dog. Yeah, man. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to love all over you. Uh, we're going to let you know how much we appreciate you. And so please, please, please make your plans to be here for that, if at all possible. Sunday, September the 1st is moving up day. I'm excited. Next Sunday, I got a very special announcement related to Sunday school. I'm going to whet your appetite a little bit, be here next Sunday, uh, and I'll give you more information on that. Thank you to those who've been helping us with Operation Christmas Child. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, even though July is over, I'm still going to continue to remind you that Christmas in July is taking place. What do I mean by that? If you did not bring in those items uh, for Christmas in July, we would still love for you to do that because everything that you bring in helps us as we begin to pack shoeboxes and reach our goal of 219 for the coming year. Uh, uh, so uh, with that in mind, let's have all the little ones make their way down this morning. If you're heading to Children's Church or Junior Church, uh, come on this morning. You be praying for these youngsters. Uh, they go back to school. Some of them go this week. Uh, the rest of them go the next couple. You all come on this morning. Thank you, Nick. Uh, come on this morning if you would. Uh, uh, if you're visiting with us, they're going to collect any change that you got. This is our penny march. Thank you, Nick. I'll double your salary today, buddy.
so very much. I appreciate that immensely. Thank you for your gifts uh, and your uh, obedience to this ministry. Miss Janie, glad to see you back this morning. Glad to see you, sweetheart. Amen. I've been praying for you so much. Uh, uh, Sister King, good to see you as well. We love you all this morning. Thank you for being here. We've been praying for you all as well. Make your way down this morning, if you would, fellas. Uh, Brother Scott, you come get ready to sing for us. Uh, You'll be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. God will richly bless you for that. We're going to pray and ask God's blessings upon the offering. Lord, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house today. Lord, I pray your blessings upon this offering. Lord, as we give back that to which you have given us, that portion that you've entitled us and told us in your word to give back to you. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the gift, the giver. Bless Brother Scott as he sings now in Christ's name. Amen, amen. It was at a little front porch sale She stopped to look around She saw those two shoes Sunday slippers A bargain to be found But her husband didn't know the Lord So what good were they to him? God said, just believe will receive so she took him at his word time passed on and she wondered if she'd ever see the day he'd wear those two shoes sunday slippers and to the church house make his way then it happened on one sunday morn as she started out the door he said wait for me she turned to see those two shoes walking across the floor and there were two shoes a prayer and a promise god would keep Save the soul of the one who wore those two shoes on his feet. She held them as she prayed each day as the tears ran down her cheeks. There were two shoes, a prayer and a promise God would keep. The preacher told of Calvary of the old rugged cross how that jesus came and gave his life to save all the lost and he gave the invitation and she saw what brought a smile she saw those two shoes sunday slippers go walking down the aisle and shoes a prayer and a promise kept so sweet god saved the soul of the one who wore those two shoes on his feet he wore them as he prayed that day while the tears ran down his face there were two shoes a prayer and a sinner saved by grace there were two shoes a prayer and a sinner saved by grace saved by grace 
Amen. Let's all stand together one more time for fellowship song, hymn number 285 in your red song book. We learned this a couple weeks ago, the Lily of the Valley. Everybody said they knew it, so we'll see again. First verse, chorus, we'll have a time of fellowship, the Lily of the Valley, hymn number 285. I have found a friend in Jesus, he's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul.
thank you so much. Appreciate that this morning. While you're going back to your seat, reminder of services tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, I'm preaching on a topic that I don't think I've ever preached on before. Uh, the rainbow found in the book of Genesis. So we'll preach on that tonight. The choir will be singing. We're looking forward to a good time together. Fellas, make your way back down if you would. Ladies, you all come get ready to sing for us, whoever's singing with you all. This is the opportunity for you to give back our, uh, to uh, the Lord for our missions work. I'm so thankful for the opportunity we have to support our missions. And I appreciate your generosity. As you well know, I always like to say this every month for visitors in case they don't know. Uh, 14% of what we give in tithes and offerings goes to missions in addition to what you give on this Sunday morning. So we're going to ask God to bless this offering. Lord, bless our missionaries. Thank you for the work they do. We're so honored to support them in their endeavors. Uh, bless now the, the time to come in Christ's name. Amen. Sing it. Something's missing and hear a still small voice. You just keep dismissing. Do you know how it feels to be troubled inside? To think just for you on a cross someone died. Do you know how it feels when he's not the That's the wrong Something's missing and hear a still small voice. You keep dismissing. Do you know how it feels to be troubled inside? To think on a cross someone for you died. Do you know how it feels when he knocks to surrender? Have your sins washed away? Never to be remembered and know that it's real. Tell me, do
child of the King, your heavenly Father owns everything. How does it feel to know you are loved by the one who created the stars above us? John chapter number four this morning, please. I, I, I'll pause a moment and tell you I got tickled just now. Um, there have been several times when someone has come up here and uh, to, to, to sing, and Renee will play something in the wrong key and, uh, uh, accidentally, of course, and folks will come over here and say, I said, well, you should have told them, I'm not going to do that. And then there's Lydia. Mama, that's the wrong key. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, me. John chapter 4. I purposely waited until our children were out, until the kids were out, uh, to talk to you just a little bit uh, about the incidents in our country yesterday. And if you've watched the news, there was another one this morning in Ohio. Um, for those of you who haven't, I will give you what little details I saw just a second ago. I pulled it up on Lydia's phone. Another mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, initial counts are nine deceased, 20-plus injured. Of course, compound that yesterday with those in El Paso where some 20 were killed, 26 injured. Um, I will simply echo the words that I heard the lieutenant governor of Texas say yesterday and repeat again this morning. Our nation needs God. Amen. Our nation needs God. I don't care what your political persuasion is. A God-fearing, God-believing Christian, we know better. Amen. Our nation needs God. So I'm going to ask you to turn this morning to John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4. A verse of, or a passage rather, that you know, you know well, and you understand the significance of. I'm going to read a lot of verses, so I'm not going to tell any jokes this morning. We're just going to dive right in. We'll begin in verse number 3, and we will read down through verse uh, 33, 34. So, John chapter number 4, verse 3. He left Judea, of course, he is Jesus, departed again into Galilee. Verse 4. He must needs go through Samaria. And cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, said, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. Pause a moment to remind you that the, new, that, uh, the Jewish day began at 6 a.m. So when Scripture says in verse 6 it was about the sixth hour, you can do the math. What time of day was it, church? Noon. Noon, verse 7. Then, come a woman, then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone into the city to buy meat, or what we would say food. 
And saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? And notice this next prepositional phrase, church. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that gaveth to thee, or who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have said of him, he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, and I believe that he's pointing to the well there, he said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. And now I believe, pointing to himself, he said, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidest thou truly. The woman said unto her, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what, ye know what ye worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Verse 24, God's a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Look at verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he's come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples, and look at this, and marveled. It means they were astonished, surprised, shocked that he talked with the woman. I'll pause a moment and say that, that those commentators who often look at this and say they were shocked that he was speaking to a female, that's incorrect. You trace out the conversations that Jesus had with, with, uh, throughout his ministry, he often spoke with females. When the fact that she was a female... The fact that she was a Samaritan. The fact that she was a Samaritan. We'll talk about that. Verse uh, uh, 27. His disciples marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no man said, no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest, why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Father, thank you for this story.
Lord, for this reminder that you are no respecter of persons. Lord, that your gospel is a whosoever will kind of gospel. Lord, we come to the hour now that is so critical, not because I'm doing it, but because of the importance of preaching based upon your word. Lord, I pray that you take the outline that you've given, I believe you laid upon my heart, use it to bless this congregation. Lord, we pause a moment and we ask that the Spirit of God would scooch up right beside of those folks in El Paso, God in Dayton. Lord, I, I pause a moment and ask that you would help convict our nation's leaders. Lord, to remind them that your word said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Lord, we're not surprised when we've kicked you out of virtually every public sector that our world is spinning seemingly out of control. Bless this nation that we might come back to you. In Christ's name, amen. Shortly after 9-11 happened, and I'm by no means comparing yesterday and today to 9-11. Don't misunderstand me. Shortly after 9-11 happened, uh, commentators and news agents across the country uh, gathered and sought for the advice of Reverend Billy Graham, Dr. Billy Graham. And I'll never forget the week after 9-11 happened, a particular news channel, I have no idea which one it was, but I distinctly remember sitting there watching it in our little trailer. Renee and I were together sitting on the couch. And the commentator said, Dr. Graham or Reverend Graham, in such tragedy, such horror, and such devastation, where was God? Why didn't God intervene? Why would God allow this to happen? And I'll never forget the words of Brother Billy Graham when he said, Ma'am, God's a gentleman. He will not go where he's uninvited. Brother Graham went on to say that we've kicked him out of all elements of our society. We've kicked him out of schools. We've kicked him out of government. And in some places, we've even tried to kick him out of, of church. He went on to say, we should not ask where God is, but rather we should ask, why did we throw him out? I'll pause a moment and say there is no other scripture, I think, in the Bible that more illuminates that ideology than this one. One of the dangers sometimes of, of preaching from passages like this is that it's overtly familiar. In fact, I battle that all the time whenever I go to a passage and I feel like the Lord's laying something on my heart. There's this little voice within me that says, why are you going to preach that? They've heard this passage a thousand times. But I'm also reminded that every time you read something, there's something brand new you can get out of it. It's one of the glorious things about the Word of God. Brand new every time you study it. There are things, candidly, I've, I've preached out of this a dozen times. I've read it hundreds of times. And every time I look through it, there's something I see that I never saw before. So I want to give you a message this morning uh, that I'm entitling, Just One Sip. Just One Sip. You see, folks, this text reminds us that many of us, like this woman, and I'll pause a moment and say, I relate to her. I relate to her. You know my testimony. Saved as a seven-year-old boy, wish I could say that I lived for God during the last four years since I got saved. Amen. But here's the reality, folks. Man, did I ever walk away from him. Man, did I ever turn my back on him. 
Man, and again, I don't talk about it in front of my kids because I don't want them to know how bad out there I got. But I am so thankful this morning that despite how far I walked away from him, I didn't walk so far away he couldn't yank me back. Amen. He could, I, ne I never walked so far away that I was out of sight of his grace. You see, like this woman, I tried an awful lot of stuff. Boy, when I got out from under mother and daddy's tutelage and out from under the rules and out from under the regulations and I was on my own and knew better or thought I did, thought that I was smarter than everybody, got on my own, I tried everything that the enemy put in front of me. Everything. And you know what I discovered? That the Word of God is 100% accurate when it says there's pleasure in sin. Please, don't, please, please look at me. There's pleasure in sin for a season. For a season. You know what I also realized? You got to wake up the next morning. You got to look back if you're lucky. You got to, I think I heard somebody say that. You got to look back on yesterday and think to yourself, where was I? What did I do? What have I done? What are the implications of what I've done? I'm so thankful. I know you've heard me say this a thousand times. I don't care. I'm the one who got the mic. Everybody always jokes about Renee's bluntness and directness. I am so thankful for the day sitting in Shoney's over some hot fudge cake where she looked at me and said, get over yourself. Here I am whining and complaining about how bad my life is and how difficult I've got it and how things are so awful for me. And she looked at me and she said, get over yourself. You know exactly what to do. You know what's wrong. You know where you are. You know how you've walked away from God. And you expect, you expect God to intervene and fix it when you've told him, get out. That's a friend, folks. That's a friend. So we come to this passage where this lady, like me, and like some of you in here, have sipped fountains of the world. Where you have sipped this, and you've sipped that. And some of you are like me. You didn't sip, you drank. And some of you are like me. You didn't sip or drink, you dove in. And you discovered that indeed there is some pleasure there for a season, but it never lasts. And what satisfied yesterday doesn't satisfy today. Got to have a little something more. A little something more. But then some of you are like me. And you are thankful for the day when you had just one sip of a fountain called faith. You are thankful for the day. When the king of kings showed up and said, I don't care how many fountains you've drunk out of, come take a sip of water from the fountain of living water. I'm going to give you a message this morning called Just One Sip. Number one, note with me, there was a tragic sinner. There was a tragic sinner. Scripture pulls no punches about describing this lady. Verse number six, we read about her isolation. That may sound strange to you, but if you look at verse six, Scripture says... Jacob's well was there. Jesus 
therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. You need to understand that Israel, as we understand it, is a desert climate. So ladies, when they would come to get water for the day, would inevitably come at the break of day. They'd come at the opening, if you will, at 6 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, while it was still the cool of the day. You understand that noon, when the sun is at its zenith, is one of the hottest parts of the day. So the question is always asked, why did she come at noon when everybody else would have come at 6 o'clock in the morning? Here's the simple answer, church. Uh, She was a social outcast. She was a sinner. And I have no doubt uh, that she was laughed at. I have no doubt the other ladies made fun of her. Uh, I have no doubt that she was a social outcry. After all, Scripture is very blunt. She had five husbands. Uh, She was living with a man who wasn't her husband. Uh, She was a sinner. Uh, And so consequently, uh, in order to escape the shaming eye of the other ladies at the well, she would come when nobody else was there. Those of you who not amen me a few moments ago, you understand what that shame feels like. Again, I'm not glorifying sin, but there is testimony to this idea of the walk of shame. When you wake up the next morning and you think, where have I been? What have I done? Who have I been with? What mistakes have I made? Because it's all just a blur from the night before, and you've got to... You got to face that day all over again. You understand the isolation that happens. You understand the reality that you, even as a believer, can get so far into the grasps of sin that you can't even see your way out of the pit that you've climbed into. Her isolation was evident. But notice not only her isolation, I want you to know with me her ignorance. Her ignorance. This always blows my mind. Because here she is... Meeting uh, this woman with this checkered past who's living in open sin, yet she feels qualified to argue with Christ about religion. Just think about that a second. This woman, uh, who Scripture says five husbands living with a man who's not her husband, begins to engage in this back and forth, this tete-a-tete about ideas of religion. And in fact, if you listen to her carefully, it almost sounds as if she believes she's an expert. On religion. Now I need to pause a moment and give you some background. You understand that Israel at this time is divided into three provinces. There's the northern province of Galilee, the southern province of Judea, and in the middle is the province known as Samaria. So when scripture says uh, that Jesus must needs go through Samaria, that was very unusual because the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. During the time that the Jews were dispersed of the Babylonian captivity, uh, they began to interbreed and intermingle uh, with the Babylonians, uh, thereby depleting their faith, uh, dissolving the religion. Uh, Please understand this was a Jewish term. The Samaritans were half-breeds in the eyes of the Jews. They weren't pure Jews. They didn't maintain the Jewish faith. They were half-breeds. And so when Jesus said, I got to go through Samaria, his disciples and everybody looked at him and said, you have got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. So when this lady comes out and she begins to have this conversation, what she's saying is exactly true. The Samaritans, even though there was partial uh, Judaism in them, they didn't go to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, They didn't travel down to the southern province to worship. Uh, They stayed in their own little territory. Uh, They came to Jacob's well. Uh, They had their own belief system. Uh, Yes, there was Jewish blood in them, but the Jews despised them. And so she's asking, 
some very legitimate questions. And Jesus responds with a simple thought this morning. And I hope you'll amen me on this. Uh, Jesus, if I may paraphrase this, saying, your salvation is not about your church or your character. It's all about Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, if I may paraphrase, salvation is not about your rituals or your religion. religion. It's all about your relationship with Jesus Christ. The tragic sinner. By all accounts, this woman was in a mess. I'll pause yet one more time and be very simple with you this morning. Your past is no problem for his grace. Romans makes this very clear. For where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. I can't tell you the number of people who have said to me, Pastor, you don't understand how bad I've been. I don't need to. I just need to know how good he is. Preacher, you don't know how far out in sin I've gone. I don't need to know that. I just know how far he went to get you out of sin. You don't know how wicked I am. I don't need to because I know how good he is. For where sin abound, his grace does much more. You can't get so deep, he can't get you out. Amen. Tragic sinner. Not only was there a tragic sinner, there was a tender Savior. Let me stop and give you what I think is perhaps the most important thing I might say this morning. Jesus always had kind words for sinners. You hear me? You go look where Jesus ripped it. You go read your Bible where Jesus unloaded. And there were some times he did. I mean, he absolutely unloaded. But it was always on the holier-than-thou crowd. It was always on the Pharisees who thought they were better than everybody. He would give them quite the earful. But whenever Jesus came to sinners, he was a gentleman. He was kind. He didn't cover up sin. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't try to excuse it away. He was loving, and he always operated in grace. Jesus was the expert soul winner before we even knew what soul winning was. What did he do? Please note with me quickly. He spoke to her tenderly in grace. Again, in verse number four, it would be astonishing when he would say, I must needs go through Samaria. The disciples, uh, you, you, you need to know that, that the, the Jews, in order to not go through Samaria, would take a three-day detour to walk through the wilderness uh, or to ride a camel uh, or a donkey through the wilderness instead of going from south to north because down there in the south, if you imagine down over here, if we're looking at a Jewish map, here's the Jordan River, two and a half sides of uh, Israel on this side, nine and a half tribes on that side. Down here in this corner would be Jerusalem. Galilee, uh, 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 his, his, his home territory of Nazareth would be up here. Uh, and so in order to get from there to there, you think a straight shot, but in the middle is Samaria, in the middle is all them wicked people. Amen. In the middle of the Samaritans. So he wouldn't go from there to there, or they wouldn't. They would go all the way around, cross the Jordan River, go all the way out here into the desert of Eden, and strike all the way back up that way just to not have to interact with Samaritans. Unreal. Three days to go out of their way so that they don't have, listen, so that they don't have to talk to people that don't look like them. Three days out of the way so that they don't have to interact with people that don't look like them. Three days out of the way so that they don't have to interact with people that don't worship like them. I'll never forget four years ago. 
gentleman and his family came into my office. I didn't know them. They'd heard about our church. In fact, they'd seen something online and watched it and came into our, my office. And they were a mixed race family. Father was African American. Mother was Hispanic. Their children were a mixed race. So I began to talk to them. They asked me some questions. I shared them some scripture. I, I looked at them and said, uh, why don't you come to my church Sunday morning? Unbeknownst to me, they were actually driving through. Uh, they were going north. Uh, they were on vacation, had heard about the church. I didn't know all this. I thought they were going through some tragedy. Uh, and he looked at me and he chuckled and said, Pastor, I've watched your church. I don't think we'd be welcome there. I looked at him and said, what do you mean, brother? He said, well, most of the folks in your church don't look like me. I said, stop right there. The day you're not welcome in my church is the day I'll step out of that pulpit. He looked at me and I said, brother, I don't care what color skin you've got. I don't care where you came from. I don't care who your mama is. I don't care what your background is. There will never be a time in my church that I'm in the pulpit where somebody says they ain't welcome. Why, preacher? I looked at her and said, because we ain't nobody. All we are is a bunch of sinners saved by grace. We've got nothing to brag about. Yeah, we put on our Sunday finest. Yeah, we come into worship. Yeah, we have a good time. But there ain't nobody there who's got, as my mama used to say, their nose stuck so far up in the air, they're going to drown if they walk outside. Sinners saved by grace. That was the attitude of Jesus, but not these Samaritans. You know what I thought about last week? When I read that verse again, I must needs go through Samaria. You know what hit me? Thank God for the day when Jesus, on June the 13th, 1976, said, I must needs go through Ridgeway, Virginia. I got to stop by a little church on the side of 87 called Wayside Baptist because there's a little seven-year-old boy whose heart's been pricked by a Sunday, Sunday school teacher, and he's ready to hear the Word of God. Aren't you thankful this morning uh, that despite him and uh, preaching time, despite who you were, uh, despite what you've done, uh, despite how wicked your past is, uh, despite all your faults, uh, despite all your failures, uh, Jesus said, I must needs go through where she is because there's somebody ready to be saved. Tragic sinner. He was also a tender Savior. He began to unload upon her in grace and in graciousness. And I like the fact, quite candidly, that as she's talking, he interacts with her. He begins to gently and patiently lead her to an understanding of who he is. Because he's very tender with her. Now, when he, she gets to the point where she says, I don't have a husband. You listen. Jesus doesn't say, oh, that's all right. He doesn't excuse the sin. He's not unkind, but he's direct. He says, you're exactly right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you had five husbands. One you live with now is not your husband. In that, you said correctly. May I pause a moment and say, somebody cannot get saved until they know they're lost. Somebody cannot come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ until they realize they have messed up themselves. But will you also notice Jesus was not unkind? He wasn't mean-spirited. He was tenderly, gently leading her to understand who he was. Tragic sinner. A tender savior. Number three this morning, there is a tremendous salvation. You see, the woman came with her water pot to get a well of to that to Jacob's well because she needed the water for the day for her cooking for her cleaning for her family's bath if you will she had to have the pot of water 
But I want you to notice when she took a sip of the fountain of living water, some things changed. I don't mean it was a process, you hear me. There were some things, I can't preach without a handkerchief. There were some things, <laughs> there were some things that changed instantly. Instantly. Look at verse 28, if you would, please. Notice what scripture says in verse 28. The woman then left her water pot. The woman then left her. That's the reason she's there to begin with. She was there to get water. But when she took a sip of the fountain of living water, she realized that she had something and everybody needed. And then note the next part of this. This is one of the things I never thought about until I thought about this last week. This blows my mind that I've missed this for some 18 years. Notice what it says in verse 28. Then woman left her water pot and went her way unto the city and saith to the man. And I looked at that and I thought, well, isn't that strange? And then I thought, no, it ain't strange. Because it was the men that she knew. It was the men that would listen to her. It was a man that she still had relation. I, I don't want to be unkind, but I know how the Jewish life was. I, I know how the Samaritan life was. And you look at me, then women won't go have nothing to do with this woman. It don't matter what she had, what she said she got. Uh, these women were not going to listen to her. Uh, they were going to shut her out, shut her off, shut her down. Uh, so she went to the men. And you know what I think about in my head this week? I wonder if when they saw her coming, they thought, hot dog. I wonder if when they saw her, they thought, here we go again. What do you mean? Because I know men. Yeah, man. You see, what they were looking for was a rendezvous. What she wanted to talk about was redemption. What they were looking for uh, was a little affair, uh, and what she had to talk about was amazing grace. Uh, what they were interested in uh, was a date, uh, but she was interested in talking to them about the deliverer. So she had an audience with the men. And Scripture says uh, right there in verse number 28 uh, that her way, I said to the men, come see a man which told me all the things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And I love this. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Can I pause a moment and so look at me, church? You get you take a sip of this fountain, people will know. You take a sip of the fountain of faith, uh, you won't have to walk around telling everybody you're a Christian. They'll know you're a Christian. They'll know something's different. I remember. I want every teenage young adult look at me. I remember. My junior year of college, my wife and I had that Shoney's hot fudge conversation in the summer between my sophomore and junior year. I remember going back to college my junior year and looking at some of my friends and saying, I can't go there. I can't do that. And I remember looking at them and them looking at me and saying, why? And then I had to give an answer. And here's what I said. The person that came back this semester is not the one that left last semester. Who I am today is not who I was 
last week, last month, last semester. The person standing before you today is trying his best to live a godly life. I remember the first church I went to. I'm almost done. I remember the first church I went to when I got back to Williamsburg. Because I was smart enough of this to know that I could not do this without a church. Did you hear me? There won't no way possible that I was going to be in a secular institution surrounded by all those same people that I was around because I was still in the same dorm, I was still in the same room, I still had the same roommate because I didn't get to switch all that just because I rededicated my life. I knew I had to go to church. So I found the first church right across the street. I showed it to my wife three months ago. I said, baby, that's the first church I went to. I walked in and I did not fit in. Just like that fella said in my office about our church, that's what I felt like. In th- Are you following me? Do I have to spell this out? I was the palest person there. And you look at me, worship got on. Them little old ladies came up and hugged all over me, told me how glad they were I was there, invited me out for lunch. In fact, they looked at me and said, there were, we had a white person here in six years. Turned me into the preacher I am today, amen. I learned a lesson that Sunday morning. That God don't really care about what color our skin is. God don't give one iota about whether or not we fit in with a crowd. What God is looking for is somebody who says, I know I was lost. I know I was deserving hell. But thank God for the day when I took one little sip from the fountain of life and it changed me forever. I'm done with this. Turn very quickly, if you would, to verse number 9. Not only did it change your activities, it changed her acknowledgement. I want to show you the progression that happened to this lady. Chapter 4, verse number 9. She saith unto the woman of saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, look at this next clause, being a what? Jew. First time he meets, she meets him, she calls him a Jew. How did she know? The accent, the language, the dress, the hair, the beard, everything about the outside of Jesus said he was a Jew. Go down, if you would, please, to verse number 11. Woman saith unto him, what's the next word? Sir. I got to pause a moment and say we've just stepped it up a notch. Because when the Samaritans said Jews, it wasn't lovingly and longingly and sweetly. They referred to Jews as badly as Jews referred to them. So when she said, I perceive that thou art a Jew, it wasn't a good thing. But now that the conversation is ensuing, she turns to him and says, Sir, hmm, not interesting. Go, if you would, please, to verse number 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. You know what the word prophet means? Preacher. Preacher. Sir, I perceive that there's something a little bit different about you. You're not just a prophet. You're not just a Jew. You seem to have something special about you. And go, if you would, now to verse number 29. Come and see a man which told me all the things ever I did is not this 
the Christ. First, he's nothing but a Jew. Then he's a sir. Then he's a prophet. And now he's the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one. Hey, I grew up in church all of my life. I started going when I was about five, been in there the rest of my life. Every time the doors are open, virtually, my family's been in church unless we've been hindered. You hear me? I am thankful for the day when I knew he was a Jew. I'm thankful for the day when I knew he was a prophet. I'm thankful for the day when I knew he was a sir. But you hear me, I am most grateful for the day when I realize that he is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he would take me just like I was. Couldn't get to him. She could not get to where he was. So he came to her. Stand to your feet this morning. Renee, begin to play silently for us, quietly if you would. She begins to play. If you're like me and you want to just slip up to this altar and say, Thank you, God, that you took me where I was, just like I was, and changed me. By your marvelous grace. Won't you come this morning? Won't you come this morning? Your head's bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, Preacher, I can't say that right now. I can't say that I'm saved. I can't say that I'm born again. I want you to pray for me. Would you lift up your hand? Anyone like that? Just want to just be honest. I'm going to ask you a follow-up right now. Nobody's looking. Preacher, I'm saved. But boy, there's somebody I got in my mind right now that isn't. And I know if they died today, heaven may not be their home. And I want to lift them up in prayer. Would you slip your hand up? Because I'm going to pray for every hand that goes up. Why don't you step out right now? Every hand that went up, come on, step out right now. Step out right now. Come on, come on. All over the building. Come on, come on, come on. Well, Brother Ken sings the first note. I invite you to join me in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, as Sinners.